0: i got a few announcements before we get started here. Um, The first announcement is I don't know how to work a music stand. (laughs) There we go. Um, Hey, uh, when you came in, there was a welcome table out front. Hopefully, you got a program inside that program. There's some very valuable information. The first one, our neighborhood collectives have started. Neighborhood collectives, to summarize those, food, discussion, prayer, and we do those twice a month, first and third weeks of the month. We actually have a neighborhood collective meeting tonight, right after our service, over at the living room, starting at six thirty. Uh, even if you're you weren't prepared to come, come join us. There will be food, there'll be discussion, there'll be prayer. Um, there's also Uh, another one that meets Monday night. So if you're one of those people that needs a bit more planning, like, oh, wait, i got to figure out what I'm going to bring, we have another option on Monday night. That's at Ian and Andrea Howard's house. If you want to know location, if you need help with that, just stay after service. Grab one of us, me, Carrie, Andrea Howard, and Ian are in the back row there. You can talk to them, you know, where they live. And also inside the program, we have a connection card. We want to be praying for you if there's anything we can be praying for. Even if you just fill it out anonymously, just want to know what's going on, if, if we can be praying for you and, and advocating for you. If you have any questions about restore, um, even in the in like very fine print, I think it's like four-point font. There's if you want to hear about something, whether it's like a topic or a song, you can fill that out on the connection card. You can do all this electronically if you download the restore app. Yeah, we have our sermons on there. You can fill out a connection card electronically. And also inside the program is Kids City News. So if you've got kids downstairs. And hear them yelling, laughing, having a good time. You can figure out what they're learning down there, what they're studying. Studying is probably too strong of a word. Um, Engaging in uh, downstairs in the kids' city environment. Um, Another couple things coming up that, uh, if you're interested in, uh, ESL classes. So we have. a group of of Central and South American refugees that have kind of come into our midst over the last nine months, and we have just continued to try to serve them in different ways. One thing uh, that their leader, her name is Lenise Rojas, um, she oversees this ministry called Sea of Refuge. She said, hey, they really need to learn conversational English. These are all refugees who are applying for asylum in the U.S., and we have the Wonderful opportunity to help them hopefully get started in that and restart their lives. And conversational English is a big deal. So we're going to do a four week workshop for them starting June twelfth. It's going to be Wednesday nights at the living room from seven to probably around eight or eight thirty p.m. If you'd like to sign up, no experience required. Uh, we've got some ESL veterans that are going to be kind of running point on that. But the more people we have who could speak English and engage them, help them practice, the better. So if you want to sign up for one or all four weeks. You can write that on your connection card. And then we also are launching a student ministry in the very near future. We had a town hall meeting about that a couple weeks ago. We've got another opportunity, town hall meeting next Sunday night, right after our Sunday worship gathering from 6 to 7 p.m. Ian Howard, our student ministry director, is going to be leading that. Food and child care will be provided. I think that's it for announcements. So last night, um, Carrie and I got to experience couple wonderful things. Uh, as parents of three boys, we got to experience a kidless car ride for like an hour. It was incredible. I mean, I don't know if you ever driven in silence in a car. Um, it, it's fantastic. And we got to experience that. And then we also got to f- experience a free dinner. And who doesn't love free food and drinks, especially if it's a really great restaurant someone else is buying and there's an open tab. I love that kind of thing. I'm always down for a free dinner, free drinks. Name it. I'll be there. So we got to experience that last night, courtesy of two of our friends, Carl and Lindsay Cool. They planted a church called Mosaic Church around, I think, 10 years ago now. And they planted in Elkridge, Maryland. Carl and Lindsay are actually the people we met with when we first were thinking about moving to Silver Spring. And they said, hey, you should check out Silver Spring. And here we are, eight years later, uh, we planted a church in Silver Spring. And Carl and Lindsay get in touch with other Maryland planters once or twice a year, they host a dinner. And we go, and it's not like we don't mess around. We don't go to Applebee's. Like, we go to locally owned, really nice restaurants. They host it. It's their treat. And we get together with these other church pastors. There's usually like four or five churches represented. And they just wine and dine us. And I, it's incredible. We got to do that last night. And it, there's another interesting aspect to that gathering um, that's different. there Because there's multiple churches represented, there's diversity of thought and practice. Like There, there are things that we believe and practice and restore that are much different than Mosaic or some of these other churches. And it would be really easy for us to be competitive with one another or to um, kind of irritate one another. There, there's all types of things we could find to divide. But what's something that's, something that's really special when we get together? Um, and I, I think it's a combination of both the holy spirit and spirits like great whiskey and beer have a tendency to like bring barriers down uh, but something special always happens and we quickly find ourselves just finding this camaraderie and this common love for one another sharing our our hopes our struggles um like there, there are offers of generosity I, I had one of those last night it's just really powerful to see that spirit work and when you are It'd be easy for us to find those barriers or those divides. But when you sit down at a dinner at a shared table, there's an openness that occurs around a table. And, and when that happens, it's, it's very Christ-like. It, it reminds me of everything Jesus did. So to start today, in Luke 24, two of Jesus' disciples are walking on a road to a town called Emmaus. And this is after Jesus' crucifixion. They're saddened, they're scared, they're, they're kind of freaking out, they're discussing the loss uh, of, of Jesus when he, the resurrected Christ, walks up beside them and enters their conversation. They don't recognize him, though. He, he's kind of hidden in some way, shape, or form from like, recognition. And so they walk and talk with what they think is just some random stranger on a road with uh, that's joined them to, on the road to Emmaus. And we pick up this story in verse 28, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, no, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while while he talked with us on the road? And open the scriptures to us. I love this story because it was dinner around a table with the Lord that opened their eyes to the presence of Christ. They excitedly went and told the rest of the disciples about this encounter. It was no ordinary dinner. This is the Lord's table. This was communion. New Testament scholar Robert Carey points out that in the book of Luke, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. An important trend that Luke highlights throughout his gospel is that salvation and communion always go together. He makes it abundantly clear that salvation always accompanies Christ at the dinner table. So if you eat with Christ, you are now invited into his kingdom. And if you look at the cast of characters Jesus sat and, like invited to the table, it was so open, it was so inclusive, that he made all the religious leaders mad. There was no rules to it. They... They like rules. They like steps in order to achieve God's love. They love the law. But for Jesus, there were no barriers. He would invite anybody to the table to the point of where they accused him, quoting Matthew, of eating and drinking with sinners. He, yeah, I do. And this openness wasn't just a like a practice, like eating and drinking with sinners. It's, it's actually a theology. All right? It's a knowledge of who God is. It's the practice of being open to others. And that only occurs when you are open to God, like Christ was open to God, completely open. So I want to share a story that oh, that popped on. Uh, sorry, I'm grunting. I my back completely locked up before worship service. So getting old is no fun. Um, this story popped up on our radar uh, this week. Anybody seen the movie Sicario? Like four or five years ago, this movie came out about Sicario, or it's called Sicario. It's one of my favorite movies. It is very dark. It is very disturbing, but it's very beautifully shot, so it, it's a really interesting movie. And it, it's cent- centered around the town, or the city of Juarez, Mexico, which is the murder capital of Mexico, the, the drug cartel capital. Um, th- and I just found out that Sicario is Spanish for hitman. So this movie is based on, on these different uh, hitmen in Juarez, Mexico. So to give you a feel for what Juarez is like, just looked. I did, you know, some uh, half-hearted effort on internet research, found a few interesting stats. So from 2008 to 2012, the city, the city Juarez is 1.3 million people, widely deemed the most dangerous place on earth. Murders shot above 3,700 in the worst year. 3,700 people murdered in a city of 1.3 million. To give you some scale, Chicago, which we all know is an incredibly violent city that experiences a lot of murders. It's a city that's twice the size of Juarez. It's 2.7 million. Um, Chicago had 550 murders last year. Juarez had 3,700 in 2010. So this pastor, Pancho Maguria, he was the pastor of this large church in Juarez. He felt God calling him to step aside as the number one Pastor at this church and hand it over to his number two, and instead to become the pastor of the city. So, what he did was he went to the entrance of the city with a tent and he camped out at the entrance of Juarez and he fasted for 21 days. Did not eat for 21 straight days. Prayed. A journalist somehow came along, stumbled upon him and noticed him and said, You know, what are you doing? And ended up writing a story about what he was doing and he started writing more stories over this three week period and people more and more people started gaining awareness of what he was doing and started joining him and on the last day of his fast there were 4,000 people camped out with him at the entrance of Juarez. So just a, that alone is fascinating and I'm condensing a really long story into just a few minutes here but one of the next steps he felt God calling him to do was for his church to adopt Sicario's professional hitmen he felt like god was saying you need to be their church he felt they should open their lives to professional assassins i'm just can't believe someone would actually do that he and he and he not only he didn't just do it himself he announced it to the church like this is what we're going to do and not one single person left the church they all felt yes this is what we need to do is start welcoming in professional assassins to our church community so they started doing it cartels started putting contracts on the life of these of these pastors at this church and other people in the church they continued and but miracles happened Sicarios started laying down their weapons they started becoming followers of christ and again long story short to summarize the effect that this had former state attorney general carlos salas stated homicides have decreased by eighty percent kidnapping kidnappings have been eliminated 100%, 100%, and extortions are down 90%. So in 2010, there were 3, 000, over 3,700 homicides in Juarez, and in 2015, there were 256, which is astonishing. Christ makes it clear in the New Testament that he is radically open to everyone. And now that we have his spirit in us, we have the ability to exhibit this kind of openness to his leading. So when we are radically open to him, we become radically open to others coming into our lives, and I cannot think of a more radical openness than Poncho's story uh, of doing what he did and following those steps of com- being completely wide open to the Spirit of God. When we do that, heaven opens up and it comes to earth. So, this past week, another pastor asked me about Restore's practice of open communion. Um, if you, the practice of open communion, is actually really unusual. So if you've been a part of Restore for a while, you know that we pause each gathering. We just did it, and we celebrate communion, the bread and the cup. We do this at, at every gathering. It's a tradition that we copy that Jesus started at the Last Supper, and we just happen to do it every week. Some churches do it monthly. Um, we symbolically, what we believe is we're symbolically pausing and celebrating the, the broken body and the blood spilled of Jesus Christ. And at Restore, we invite everybody to take it. We we say no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, you're welcome to the table. We're open to that, and we want you to feel completely invited to celebrate what Jesus did. There's no conditions that need to be met. So I grew up in a tradition that practiced closed communion. Most church denominations practice closed Mm -hmm. communion, including the Catholic Church. So if you've grown up in any denominational church or the Catholic Church, you've probably experienced this. You either have to be a Christian, confirmed, or a member— to be able to take communion of that specific church and at Restore. We don't do that. We practice open communion. Now there's a verse in scripture that's commonly used to back the practice of closed communion. And it's a verse that the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And he's giving them some really challenging instructions about communion. And there's a section of scripture of this letter it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 30 that people quote, and it's almost always quoted to me out of context. I've had a lot of pastors ask me about our practice of open communion. So here I'm going to read the out of context section, and then we're going to expand on it. So Paul writes, Anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. They read this particular verse, and they think it's dangerous and wrong to invite someone who isn't a Christian to take communion because they think it's inviting judgment. And they think it's inviting the kind of judgment that's like damnation in judgment, like eternal Torment in hell judgment. That's the way they view that verse. For any person taking communion who doesn't kind of realize what they're doing. But here's the problem. It's important to know we the, the context here. Paul is writing to Christians. That's his audience. It's the church. It's the Christians who are in danger of taking it unworthily. Additionally, what's happening in the Corinthian church is that the shared dinner of communion is has been taken in vain. They have dragged in these cultural practices of, of food and dinner and they're partying. They're just it's essentially an excuse for them to just party, to get drunk. Another issue they were facing is rich people and poor people. Rich people would take all the best food and they were hogging it. And Paul is like, that is not the way it's meant to be. That is I am that is not what Christ intended with the openness of the table. So he's challenging Christians. About this, So now knowing this context, let's read the whole verse, or the whole section of scripture. Paul writes in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if, as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it, but of course there must be divisions among you, so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper, for some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine and after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And then he goes on. We read this section already. I'm going to skip ahead. So he says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord, I'm going to skip to the section we haven't read. that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. He's talking to Christians. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. So, we just read a really long section, a little nerdy, on on the practice of communion. But he's warning the Christians that the meal is designed to create openness in our hearts and minds and in our relationships. It's designed to bring down divisions. Two habits the Corinthians were struggling with at the time. He's not warning the invitees, all right, the people outside of the kingdom. He's warning the inviters, the partakers, the Christians, like you're the one that I'm judging, where that is isn't danger of judgment. So in Restore, we practice open communion. We see who Jesus invites to the table. He was so open, so we are so open. So one way we're trying to be even more intentional about this practice with our church is neighborhood collectives. We have food, we have discussion, we have prayer. These are the three elements we see Jesus using constantly in the New Testament that lead to life change. And our hope is, is that you're going to get involved in one of those, invite others to the table to experience the Spirit's openness. We have one, like I said, that meets tonight at the living room. We have another one that meets tomorrow night. What this involves, having this kind of openness, and I, I want to go back to, to Pancho for a second. Um, the, something, some of the context I did not share was that his church was incredibly successful. There was a huge church they had their own building it was completely paid off he had every reason to keep that job and that calling and that position but he was so radically open that he would and created the margin to be open that he left it and i think that is something we really struggle with in our lives is creating the margin to be open to what god might be calling us into Who might he be calling us to reach? Who might he be calling us to be open to? And it's in that spirit of openness that I hope we're going to continue to be open to what Christ is in our city and he's doing in our lives. So I want to talk openly about church, uh, about Restore in general, about what we are trying. We're trying to be open to where God might be leading us in the coming months, in the coming years. So first, number one, for the past seven years, Restore has committed to giving 10% of our income away and we give that to church planting. Uh, so not right now it ranges from like four, 1400 to $1,800 a month that we give away financially towards church planting. However, something we're considering in our leading community is considering shifting this 10% from sh- from church planting to refugee work. Like over the last four years, God has opened more and more doors for us into the refugee world. So we are trying to just read the signs and be open to what the spirit is leading us to do so that's something we're praying about right now is what should we do this if so who do we give it to how do we give it so we're just hoping you will be open to joining us in prayer for that that we are kind of good stewards uh, of our finances in that way we we just want to continually remain open to that um another thing that we're thinking about right now our lease on the living room is up in around 19 or 20 months so now it's time to start thinking, okay, what's next? Do we renew? Do we stay? Do we go? Do we, do we spend that money on something else? Do we find another building? We're completely open to what Christ might be leading us to. Um, if we have a space, I know that God's calling us to use it to bless other people. It, it, we're just not the kind of church community that is like, we're going to get together on Sunday mornings and that's it. Like That's the only thing we're going to use the space for. We want to know who it's going to bless um, I'll go ahead and share like when I first met Lenice, who is the leader of city of Refuge our first lunch I asked her like what do you dream about like what when it comes to your impact with these refugees tell me tell me something that's crazy that you dream about and she's like I dream that we would have a building and I just kind of hung on to that like okay I'm filing that away and and I am and are we open to the fact that maybe restore is supposed to help um, help create or, or fuel that vision and that dream that she has. I don't know, but we're open to it to see where the spirit leads. Um, One more decision that we're open to um, this summer is a move back to Sunday mornings. It's something that we've been talking about the last month or so meeting Sunday afternoons has been really challenging uh, for our involvement. And although we love this space, like this is a great space fit for our church and more change. I love change and more change. I'm like, Oh, changing again. Um, even I'm like, wow, that's a lot of change, uh, moving to another venue. Um, th- maybe there's a chance we can use this for Sunday mornings. Uh, we're going to ask. Might say no, but I'm kind of one of those people like, I'm going to ask, I'm going to make someone say no to us using it. Uh, but that's something we're thinking about. We're trying to be open. Like, w- Is it a better fit for our community and for people who get, get connected to our community to be on Sunday mornings rather than Sunday evenings? We're also looking to other venues um, and, and seeing if maybe a, a door opens to another church building where we can meet on sunday mornings another venue that we could use on sunday mornings not sure but we're hoping if you have ideas or prayers just join us in that openness i'm going to pray and then we're going to sing one more song together